The HP Lovecraft Film Festival was last weekend, and I'm still in a Necronomicon kind of mood, so we're opening up episode 238 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Wendigo Girls from the band The Necronomicids. This appears on their self-titled album, Necronomicids, and you can find them at necronomicids.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes. Over at monsterkidradio.net, that's the website for the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear, classic monsters, modern talk in the head of Rondo Hatton. Welcome to the show. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'm excited because I'm still on the Cthulhu Jazz from the Lovecraft Film Festival last weekend. That's what we're getting in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Yeah, the coverage of the Inner Sanctum movies with Paul McComas, that's going to be next week. So come back for that, but stay for a review, a recap, some interviews from the Lovecraft Film Festival. Before we get to all of that, though, we've got some breaking news, something exciting from Monster Kid Radio semi-regular guest, Stephen D. Sullivan. Hey, Derek, Steve Sullivan here, S.D. Sullivan from novels and games and books and all that kind of stuff. Just calling to check in and give you some exciting news. First, I wanted to mention how much I like the War of the Gargantuas podcast, and I will be sending in a Monster Rally suggestion of my own because you guys were less strict with the rules than I'd be. In fact, I wouldn't even include giant monsters in that list, but that's just me. Anyway, I'll get to that later. Here's the really important news that I wanted to announce on your show. In just a couple of weeks, maybe even before the 15th, but definitely before Halloween, you will be able to buy a novelization of Manos, The Hands of Fate, written by me on Amazon and at other quality outlets in at least ebook form at first and definitely in print form after that. Not only that, but I will have two different novelizations of this classic bad film. One will be a comedy adaptation, which is what everyone expects. Here's the one people aren't expecting. I'm going to do a serious adaptation of that, and I'm going to make it really scary. Those books are both nearly done. Just a little bit more work to do, and God and Manos and everything else willing, they should be out before the end of October 2015. Thought you'd dig that. Talk to you soon. Have a great week. Looking forward to the new show. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear your War of the Gargantuas feedback, but man, the Manos novelization. Now, listeners, I know I may be in the minority here, but I actually like watching Manos straight without MST3K, without the riffing. I'm kind of sick that way, I suppose. I actually have the Manos Blu-ray here. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. And I'm looking forward to checking out Steve's novelizations, both the comedy version and the super scary, ultra terrifying or something or other version of Manos. That's going to be awesome. Steve, please keep us posted. Any other news about these two novel releases, please call in, send in some audio, let us know what's going on. We definitely want to talk about it here on Monster Kid Radio. So like I said, last weekend was the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. It was the 20th anniversary. And the rest of this episode, you're going to get coverage from that event. And we brought something back, the return of the Classic Five. So we played the Classic Five with some folks on the show. You don't know what the Classic Five is? Well, stay tuned. You're going to find out right after this. Welcome 
to an evening with Karloff, the master of menace in five fright-filled features. Watch breathlessly as the coffin opens to release the terror duck. <laughs> it's only a gal and bulls, the raven. Join Boris Karloff in the most gruesome day of the undead, Black Sabbath. And there are two more blood-chilling delights. Die, monster, die. And who knows? You may die. Laughing at the comedy of terrors. Five of Karloff's creepiest capers in nightmare colors. And you are invited. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Down Place can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Oh, no. 
Boris Karloff in his last and most diabolic role. Hello, Monster Kid Radio listeners. I am in the parking lot across the street from the Hollywood Theater. I'm in the Senior Center a lot. However, this weekend is being turned into the Esoteric Order of Dagon building. Yeah, I'm at the Lovecraft Film Festival. This is an event for me. This is the 20th anniversary of the Lovecraft Film Festival. And just like I did at Rose City Comic Con, I intend to find as much Monster Kid goodness as I can at the festival. And I know there's going to be some because I'm introducing the movie City of the Dead. It's one of the first movies kicking off the entire weekend. Seven o'clock upstairs. I'm going to get up there and talk a little bit about this Christopher Lee film that definitely has some Lovecraftian elements to it. If you haven't seen the movie, the movie's good. Trust me. So I'll be introducing the film. Also, I'm going to be on a panel this weekend, Cthulhu and fill in the blank, or Cthulhu and X. Not entirely sure what to expect there, but it should be fun. And then also on Sunday, I'm presenting the topic of the panel that I did at CthulhuCon a few months ago, Lovecraft Gets Hammered. It's not a panel, it's a presentation, so it's going to be a slightly different beast, but I'm looking forward to that. Now, I tell people that this is one of the reasons why we moved to Portland, Oregon. It's not the only reason, but I had never been to Portland before me and my wife moved here. And we've been here for about 15 years now. We love this area. We love this part of the country. It really is our home at this point. And part of it is because of all the cool movie stuff that I get to do, like the Lovecraft Film Festival. Now, Brenda, my wife, had been to Portland a few times on her own or with various class projects, that sort of thing. She told me about Portland and sold me on it, and then I saw that there was a Lovecraft Film Festival and I was in. That, and, well, I discovered there were a ton of comic book stores in Portland as well. While I don't necessarily go to all those comic book stores anymore, I still go to the Lovecraft Film Festival. And with the exception of my very first year here in Portland, when I really didn't know anybody and know my way around, so I skipped it, I have never missed the Lovecraft Film Festival. And as long as we're in Portland... I plan on never missing it. As long as I keep doing it, I'll be there. I'm excited to see some old friends, people who have been to the festival in the past who haven't been in several years. I'm looking forward to a couple of films. I'm looking forward to some short blocks. And the short blocks are really where it's at, guys. If you ever get to a film festival and they're showing a collection of short movies, that's what you need to see. Because these short movies don't normally get the distribution that the feature films get. I mean, sometimes the feature films only get like a straight-to-DVD or streaming or VOD release, but you can still see them. But the shorts, you have to track down. I'm really excited to see the movie Durless Brain by Reber Clark. Reber was on the show last year for a few minutes when we covered the Lovecraft Film Festival. I'm also excited to see a few classic movies, or at least classic to me. There's a short film called Cool Air by Brian Moore. This is an adaptation of a Lovecraft story, of course. But it is, in my mind, one of the standards, one of the benchmarks of Lovecraftian adaptations. I'm looking forward to seeing that film. It's been a while. I own it on DVD, but I haven't seen it on the big screen in quite some time. I'm looking forward to the secret screening on Sunday. You know, there's just so much to look forward to. I'm going to go ahead and pay for my parking. Then I'm going to go pick up my badge and I'm going to enjoy the festival starting right about now. That's me. Hello. 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 Oh, that's, that's 
So, uh, how many people have come to the Lovecraft Film Festival before? Okay, all right. So you guys know that sometimes I'm running a few minutes late, it's no big deal. All right. Well, on behalf of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and the Hollywood Theater, I want to welcome you to this screening of The City of the Dead from director John Moxie from 1960, starring Christopher Lee. I am the producer and host of the podcast Monster Kid Radio. We are a weekly podcast based here in Portland. We talk about nothing but the classic and, well, sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And I love, I love my classic monster movies, which means I love Christopher Lee. And we all, we all love Christopher Lee, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got a thumbs up. That's awesome. How many of you have seen this movie before? Yep. So you, you guys know what you're in for. This is a good, good film. The rest of you, I hope you really enjoy the movie. What's that? Awesome. Well, pay attention to her to see what she thinks of it, because this is going to be awesome. So the movie stars Christopher Lee, which is our big, big horror actor in this movie, but most of the rest of the cast, not really horror people. They don't have a lot of experience or attachment to horror movies over the years. They haven't really done a lot in our favorite genre, even though our, one of our main actresses, Venetia Stevenson, started her acting career playing a corpse on television. This was pretty much the, the most spooky type of movie that she did. Now, as far as Venetia goes, that might have been by design, because her father is probably best known for directing a lot of live-action Disney films, like The Love Bug. So I, I don't know if horror was really in her wheelhouse growing up. Now, she was born in the UK, but she was raised in America, which means that she had an American accent, which was good, because the director wanted all the actors to have an American accent in this film, even though it was produced in the UK. It takes place in America, it was produced in the UK by a company run by a couple of Americans who were working in the UK. Okay, I think I got that right. So the production company is... <laughs> the production company is Vulcan Productions. Now, I don't expect many people to know what Vulcan Productions is, but you might know what they turned into, which is Amicus. And Amicus is the studio responsible for a number of anthology films, portmanteau films, things like Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, things like that. Excellent movies. This is not an anthology film. This is a standalone movie that actually began life as a TV pilot. The writer was developing it for Boris Karloff for television. Well, when Milton Sabotsky, who was one of the people who formed Vulcan Productions on Amicus, got his hands on it, he expanded it, he added a romance subplot, and then turned it into the movie The City of the Dead. This is also known as Horror Hotel. Horror Hotel is the title that was given here in the States. I think the version we have is the UK cut, which is The City of the Dead, the more proper title. The difference between the two is that The City of the Dead has an extra couple of minutes. Nothing overly salacious, no gore, nudity, anything like that. Just some lines of dialogue that US distributors had a problem with. Something about praying to Satan or something. <laughs> Horror Hotel is in the public domain. So there's a chance a lot of people have seen this movie, or at least seen it on like 50 movie DVD packs, things like that. However you've seen it, you've never seen it like this on the big screen at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be here all weekend. I'm going to be Lovecraft Gets Hammered presentation on Sunday. I'm going to be doing a panel tomorrow as well. If you want to talk classic monster movies, look me up. Check me out on monsterkidradio.net. Classic monsters, modern talk, and yeah, we won a couple of awards. So hope you guys enjoy the movie and enjoy the rest of the festival.
This is Whitewood, Massachusetts. A young girl, a stranger, has come to Whitewood to do research. She has come, she thinks, to study. Leave Whitewood. Leave Whitewood tonight, I beg of you. Leave before it is too late. In spite of this warning, the girl lingers on. years old. Human blood keeps them alive forever. Harlow. So I didn't record with anybody on Friday and Saturday. I waited until Sunday because Sunday's usually a little bit more chill, a little bit more laid back, and people have a little bit more time typically. And one of the people that I've been spending the time with all weekend is Chris McMillan from The Shadow Over Portland. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. A little worn out, you know, but you know that's how it is on a Sunday. Of course it is. I mean, it's Sunday. We've been here, what, since Friday night? Yeah. And things have been going. It, this has been a great festival. Oh, yeah. So, so far, what's been your favorite thing? Oh, uh, I have to choose one? <laughs> you can go ahead and say the panel that I was on. You can say that. It's okay. okay. Well, there you go. There. That's it. Um, no, there's been so many great things. Um, the They had the uh, Portland premiere of Extraordinary Tales, yeah. the animated Poe movie, which was, you know... Had its ups, had its downs, but it was just so cool to hear, you know, Christopher Lee narrate a Poe tale. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. I mispronounced it the first time. That's okay. You were excited. Yeah. I mean, he they they got a recording of him doing the the Telltale Heart, and that was great. So that was my Friday. I mean, I just locked up those films. (laughs) Um, And then last night I got to see... I, I mean, I've seen Reanimator so many times, but on the big screen in 35 millimeter was great. With you know Herbert West himself doing a Q and A afterwards. Um, there's been all sorts of panels. There's been readings. I just got out of um, Lovecraft Under the Gun. Their 72 hour film festival. Really good stuff. I mean, it's it's been a fun festival. How long have you been coming to the festival? Long enough. I don't remember when I started. <laughs> I really don't. I know it hasn't been 20 years, but it's got to be at least, oh man, I don't know, 10, 12? This is something that we were talking about yesterday over dinner uh, with some other friends of yours about where the festival's gone, how it's grown, that sort of thing. What are your thoughts on what the festival's turned into? Well, I I think it's, it's, it's growing big. Um, I think their idea of finding another place for panels and games and and other things is great because then that leaves the Hollywood theater dedicated to shorts and movies and all of that. Um, But on the other hand, sometimes that... I mean, I noticed it again um, this year. The panel room gets a little noisy because you got the games and, and it's not separate rooms. It's kind of blocked off. 
But still, it's a great idea. Um, it allows people to do a little bit of everything. It allows the shorts to be shown more. Even though, no matter what you want to do, uh, you're not going to see everything. It's impossible. It used to be. When I first started coming back in 2001, 2002, I would spend the night before with the schedule and try to plot out where I have to be when to see everything. And it was possible. Oh, yeah. It's impossible now. And, and I think that's okay. No, I think that's great. I mean, what? They've got five blocks of shorts Six. now. Six. Oh, that's right. The ones that are not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and it was not safe for work. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but yeah, and they've got all, you know, they've got six short blocks now. They've got Lovecraft under the gun. They've got, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. You just, you're not going to get everything. And that's, a, that's kind of a shame, but, you know, that's, I think, the sign of a good festival. Be- because you can't see everything. There's so much you want to see. There's so many opportunities, and you just end up having to pick and choose your favorites. I agree. I think it's great that it's grown. I do miss kind of the old school feeling a little bit, though. And that's one thing that I've appreciated about this festival is that they brought out Cool Air, Brian Morris movie, mm-hmm. which is one of the early adaptations. They Aaron Vanek's Return to Innsmouth, which, again, one of the early, early Lovecraft adaptations for the festival. And to see Andrew Migliori, the original festival uh, director, running around and actually just having fun as opposed to having to run the festival and, and at, you know, work on no sleep and that sort of thing. I do appreciate that. So I miss that a little bit, but it's still cool to see it kind of grow and see the new stuff and the new stuff. Now, you saw Cool Air with me last night. Was that, that wasn't the first time you'd seen it. Actually, it was. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I think I commented to you, I think it could have been trimmed a little bit. And it was interesting because the part that he put in about the doctor's wife yeah. was the part I would have kind of cut out. I mean, it, it's not that it didn't work, but in my mind, it took away a little of the character's motivation to stay alive because he talks about this woman he loves so much. She dies. And the way he talked about her, I was like, well, wouldn't he have lost his will at that point? Oh, yeah, don't, I'm spoiling it, sorry. <laughs> um, put a spoiler jump in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, you know, I mean, that that just didn't, I like the scene. I understand why he put the scene in, but for me, it, and this is just for me, it was something I wouldn't have done. But other than that, it's a great adaptation. I love the look of it. it yeah. I mean, it looks, you know, it's shot on film. It looks grainy like you would expect a film shot in the 20s and 30s would look. And they had everybody dressing like that. Um, you know, I thought it was I thought it was great. I did. I see where you're coming from with the, the monologue. Um, now, he didn't talk about this during the Q&A yesterday, but he did talk about it in the Q&A. Uh, was it the 15th anniversary when they brought it out or the 10th anniversary that that was a scene that got Jack Donner on, on board that having Jack Donner read that that kind of locked him in because he wanted more than just creepy old guy who's going to melt if he gets too hot you know um, I, I see where you're coming from but I, I think it's a damn near perfect adaptation otherwise I'm a big fan of it oh so am I, I I'm um, you know when I keep you know Hey, Payday's, well, yeah, Christmas wish list for cool air. Um, because, God, there's so much. It's it's October. There's so much happening, not just the Lovecraft Film Festival. Oh that's God. just the start. I'm going to go crazy. So I think I'm going to put DVD buying on hold until November. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely one I have to add to my yeah. collection. It is, like I said, 
My Little Meyer Quibble aside, it's really, really good. It feels good. And like I said, it's got that old school kind of vibe. And, and I respond well to that. I respond incredibly well to the low-budget, gorilla, DIY approach to filmmaking. And I love Cool Air for that. I love Return to Innsmouth for that. Did you stick around for Return to Innsmouth? No, I, I, I was off. I don't remember what I was doing. I took off and did something else. Um, I don't remember. There's been so much. Um, but, yeah, and, and I, I, I appreciated that in Cool Air as well. I mean, it really looked. They, they kept the period idea really well. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, definitely a great thing to see. So this is something that came up during the Q&A. You mentioned period. There, there seem to be two schools of thought. When you adapt Lovecraft, do you keep it period or do you modernize it? What do you think? Oh, that's tough. Because um, I think I was the one who asked that question. Oh, was it you? Yes, it was me, actually. <laughs> um, but that is, that is a tough choice because, you know, his answer was extremely valid on one hand you know you in the 20s if you're isolated somewhere you're isolated yeah nowadays if you're isolated well you're gonna have to explain away cell phones and 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 things like that you know it's i think it could work but it has to be very selective and very carefully plotted out um and there is a point where the 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 the, the 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 science the approach to science in the twenties yes. works better with Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think it works better there than it does in a modern period piece. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because yeah, everybody will just say Nuke Cthulhu. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. Oh, I think so too. Because you know, <laughs> he does reform, and if he reforms radioactive, man, you better hope you go crazy fast. Radioactive Cthulhu should be the name of like a cover band for something. Oh, it just should be a band name. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so people are starting to line up outside the theater. So why don't we bring this to a close? I brought the classic five deck. I have not done the classic five on the show in forever. So I thought, if you're up for it, you want to do it. Let her rip. Question number one. The brain that wouldn't die or they saved Hitler's brain? Oh, got to go with they saved Hitler's brain. Just that title alone. Perfect. What prop from a classic monster movie would you like to own? The suit that Rico Browning wore in Creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow. Good call. Oh, <laughs> this is actually relevant because I'm doing the hammer presentation here in a bit. Jimmy Sangster or Terrence Fisher? Fisher. Yeah, you answered that pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's pretty pretty definitive for me. Oh, another one. Uh-oh. He's got a weird look on his face. I don't know how this one snuck in because it's pretty much the same thing. Which title do you prefer? Quatermass in the Pit or Five Million Years to Earth? Quatermass in the Pit. Okay. Ah, Famous Monsters of Filmland or Castle of Frankenstein magazine? Famous Monsters. There we go. So, Chris, we may end up catching up again here in a little bit, but uh, I think I'm going to put the recorder away. I'm getting some looks. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting kind of crowded up here. And there's events to go to. There is. Thanks, Chris. You bet. Anytime. I saw a short movie yesterday called Durless Brain, and I'm standing with the filmmaker of that, and he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine, Reber Clark. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm happy you got to see the movie. 
I am too. I really enjoyed it. I loved the music, and I thought it looked fun. Uh, I think it was one of the highlights of that shorts block. Really? No kidding. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And I'm not just saying that because we're standing right next to each other in a dark corner where people won't be able to see if you do anything. Well, audience reaction has been interesting, <laughs> and that's what it's for. There are no real words to the thing. It's just a, it was a fun thing to do. So August Derleth, for listeners who don't know, who is August Derleth? Uh, from what I know of him, he was a publisher. He founded Arkham House with Donald Wandry, or Wandry, and uh, we may not have heard of H.P. Lovecraft if not for August Derleth. So some people have taken the uh, the view of my little movie as a Derleth bashing movie. Some people have thought it's a Derleth rah-rah movie. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's, it's sort of about uh, a bunch of different things. I think he's an important figure in Lovecraft studies and Lovecraft history, although he did kind of posthumously co-write some Lovecraft stuff that didn't really... Posthumous collaborations. Yes. Posthumous yes. collaborations. So, so that's why, actually, in my little short, it's kind of the, the opening music and the closing music is sort of a heist yes. type theme. I because I thought, well, you know, some people think he stole a lot of stuff, but really he just did these posthumous collaborations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was fun stuff. Are you having a good time overall, festival-wise? Great time. I get to know new people every year. This is my tribe. I have found my home. I, it's just a fantastic festival. I would recommend it if you're a movie person. If you are at, in publishing, you need to be here. And if you like Lovecraft, you need to be here. How many years have you been coming? Since 2009, when my first movie uh, showed here, Lovecraft Paragraphs. How have we not met before last year? I thought we did. I thought we hung out a couple times. Maybe not. Uh, but, but, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I'm getting old. Yeah, getting yeah old. I'm feeling that way, too. It's, it's Sunday, the festival. I'm feeling yeah, old. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I found Monster Kid Radio, and uh, it's really great, worth, worth a listen. Everybody should uh, tune in. Go on. And it's excellent. <laughs> and run by a, a man among men. <laughs> <laughs> Reber's important to me because he introduced me to Randy Bowser, the man behind Karloff, the one-man play, which is fantastic. So I said this on Facebook a while back. I want to say again on the show, thank you for that. Fantastic. Randy's a great guy. When I was trying to get into uh, doing electronics, uh, handling music through electronic means, uh, Randy knew all about it. He taught me a lot. He's a great guy. He's in uh, Salem? Uh-huh. Eugene, Salem, something. And uh, I hear there's there's some kind of news he's going to announce about Karloff soon. Or has he already announced it? Um, I don't know. I know that he wanted to move some copies of the DVD. I know he's going to sell some of those. He's got a very limited supply, so I don't know if he's got any left. I hope there's some news coming, though, because that thing needs to be seen. Did you... You weren't there, but have you read any of the script or anything like that? Or uh, I was in the, on, on the Kickstarter, so I got a oh, DVD. Good, good. And, uh, yeah, it should be produced. It's a great one-man show uh, endorsed by Sarah Karloff, um, Boris Karloff's daughter. And it's just fantastic. Randy did a great job. Uh, if an actor out there is looking for a, a vehicle, uh, this would be fantastic. Yeah, if anybody out there is involved in the theater community and you're looking for a show, and it's not just a Halloween show, you can run it any time. Yeah, it's his, li- it's his life. It's, yeah. it, it covers his entire life and, um, you know, of course, mostly the Hollywood stuff. But, sure. uh, yeah, it's really great. I love chatting with Reber this thing because he's a monster kid. You know, we were talking about famous monsters of Filmland yesterday. So we have a game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio called the Classic Five. I've got a deck of cards here. And they're just random yes or no, this or that type questions. I've shuffled, shuffled it already. You want to play the classic five? I'm going to ask you five yes, questions. Sir. All right. Question number one. Would Nancy Archer and Colonel Glenn Manning fight or fall in love? I have no idea who these people are, so the, I would expect they would fight and fall in love. <laughs> 50-foot woman and the amazing colossal man. They would fight. I, I think so, too. 50-foot woman was kind of angry. Did you put it in the time? Yeah, justifiably so. 
it would make a better movie. <laughs> Which character from a classic monster movie would you like to follow on social media? Wow, that's interesting. Probably Dracula. He only or, or posts at night. Man. The Wolfman? Man, one, or, one or the other. <laughs> can't imagine Dracula posting on social media. <laughs> Billy the Kid versus Dracula or Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter? Billy the Kid meets Dracula. It's got Carradine, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Lon Chaney Sr. or Lon Chaney Jr.? Different, completely different reasons. Uh, I grew up with Lon Chaney Jr., so I'm going to say Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, I think he's probably more accessible to us monster kids because we saw more of his movies. We grew up with well, him. Sort of I was reading Famous Monsters as a kid. He was all over Famous Monsters and, yep. you know, the werewolf and all that stuff. I was right there. I had the model, had the Aurora model, and still have it in my basement. My mom saved all that stuff. Nice. Yeah. I think he's missing a left arm or something, but oh. still there. It'll, it'll grow back. Uh, <laughs> and very hairy. Right. Exactly. All right. All right final, oh, final question. Favorite Godzilla foe? Well, the one that springs to mind is got, is uh, King Kong. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd say King Kong. It's a good one. And not just because Godzilla vs. King Kong has music from Creature from the Black Lagoon in it. Written by Henry Mancini and uncredited. Definitely some yeah, good stuff. I love Creature. We could talk Creature for hours. I, Creature's my favorite, favorite one. Yep. It's my favorite one. I had it on 8mm, bought it from Castle Films. Oh, no. Growing up, I think I bought it through Famous Monsters of Filmland, and uh, that was great. And I did get hauled into the principal's office uh, for reading Famous Monsters in my fifth grade class, so it's just great. <laughs> That's like a, a rite of passage for monster kids, right? I think so. I think so. My mom was fine with it, though. You know, we were in the principal's office, and my mother was like, "Hey, at least he's reading." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're of different generations. So I didn't grow up with the magazine, but I did grow up with the Crestwood House books. And I would sit in class and draw just pictures of monster faces on my notebook paper. And one day I got it in my head that I'm going to show my teacher while she's lecturing. So I held it up and she just looked at me and smiled. I was like, that's nice. But she got you later? or Well, we had a slight chat, but my mom wasn't overly concerned. I got uh, most of these films were silent. If you bought them through, uh, it was eight millimeter silent, and I would make up my own soundtracks. Oh. I would I would uh, do a little cassette recording, uh, and 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 try to do the narration. I, I don't know how old I was, but I was trying to be very you know an announcery as a as a junior high kid. And um, yeah, I put together a little bit of music. I didn't know much about music at that time, and it was fun to do. Yeah. Do those tapes still exist? I don't think so. I think oh. all of that stuff was lost in a flood, actually. Oh. Uh, lost quite a bit of uh, things. But they maybe got there in a dumpster somewhere or a, 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 a landfill. Oh, man. That was fun to do. I was never satisfied with the way it sounded, so I've been going after d- making it better ever since. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your work. I'm a big fan oh, of you as a musician. I mean, you're a friend, but you know that aside, I still really dig your music, and I listen to it quite a bit on my, iTunes, on my iPod. Uh, I've got your uh, music from the HP uh, PodCraft, you know, the incidental music you sold out online. I, I've got that. Uh, do you have anything big coming up? I, I think I know the answer, but do you have anything coming up listeners might be able to listen to? Well, the uh, Brian Moore is producing The Shadow Over in Innsmouth uh, and doing a faithful adaptation of the story. I'm, I'm on to do the soundtrack and uh, did a soundtrack for his uh, teaser trailer that I think he's going to launch on Kickstarter. That's not definite yet. Uh, from what I understand, the majority of the funding is in, but they want to do, he wants it to involve some people, so it might be on Kickstarter and the music will be available for that. And uh, I've always got projects going on. HPLHS is doing uh, three new dart shows next year, oh, and, and really? I'll probably be involved in one, one of those. 
I can't keep up with those things. I love them, though. Well, we've got two composers now. You know, Troy Sterling Neese is the main guy. He's been there forever. And then uh, I'm kind of the second tier. And uh, But we've got two guys now working, right? So so they can produce, maybe produce more. I was listening to the Reanimator one on the way out here. Uh, I've just been binge listening to them this weekend. And I got to the end of the CD. And I'm like, okay, CD's over. And then the Miskatonic song, song came on. And, and you did that, right? I did that actually with Andrew Lehman. We, we went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it was his idea. And uh, we put it together. And it was a lot of fun. It was like an Easter egg on a CD. I loved it. Right, right, exactly. Onward, Miskatonic. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> on to victory. Yeah, and that was a fun show to do, too. Yeah. Reanimator. Are you going to stay for the rest of the festival? Absolutely. I'm out, uh, I don't know, middle of the afternoon, Monday or something. Well, have a good rest of your show. Thanks for chatting with us. And thanks for interviewing me. Enjoyed it. Well, I'll have you on the show proper at some point, I promise. It'll be great to have you on to talk about a monster movie of some sort, creature, or who knows what. Or who knows what. You know, <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame I've been looking at lately. Ooh. So we'll I see. I anybody lined up for that. Uh, yeah, Charles Lawton, you know. Um, you know, good stuff. You hear that, listeners? You hold me to it, okay? Thanks, man. All right. Thank you very much. Invited to an open house where horror will be your host. The Haunted Palace. You who find a kind of macabre joyousness in the horrifying will enjoy yourselves as in ecstasy in The Haunted Palace. Starring Vincent Price, a being who lived and died and lives again. I'll not have my fill of revenge until this village is a graveyard. And intriguing Deborah Paget, whose appealing beauty inflames the blood of the bloodless. Charles, please. I... Well, I've been very busy, but I'm back now. Charles. No, no, we have the whole no. night before. No. His violent, no. torturous passions inflict no. both pain and terror. Lon Chaney, carrying on a family tradition of masterful motion picture horror, while the strange and feared new master of the haunted palace reaches for the skeleton of one long dead. You see? He's taken her mind, her soul, just like the others. Really, this is outrageous. After all these years, I'm entitled to a few small amusements. When we chatted earlier, why didn't we talk about the City of the Dead? Um, probably because it's Sunday afternoon. It's near the end of the... Well, it's not near the end of the uh, Lovecraft Film Festival, but uh, it's pretty easy to get hazy right about now. <laughs> uh, I know I am. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm here with Chris again, and we just say we just take a little break, you know, Sunday afternoon, and uh, realized we didn't talk about City of the Dead. So, wanted to get your thoughts on the film. Have you seen it before? No, this is one of those movies that I've got in my towering pile of two watch DVDs that I just haven't gotten to yet. So I figured, hey, 
It's on the big screen. Why not? Why wait until I can put it in my uh, DVD player at home? Why not just watch it now? And it was well worth it. A lot of fun. And and the print they had here was beautiful. It was a really good transfer. The uh, I think it's on DVD, and I think that's what that was played off of, was the DVD. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I, don't, I don't know. They didn't ask me. But they did ask me to introduce the film, and I had a fun doing that. You know, it's, it's a fun movie, and I, I think I recorded the introduction. So uh, if I did, I'll drop it in this episode, or maybe the listeners have already heard it. Uh, not like I remember to record anything else, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that here in a little bit. So, City of the Dead, you'd never seen it before. Did you know anything about it? I think you said something about maybe hearing about it on another, another podcast, right? Yeah, I, um, I remember hearing about it at uh, on the B-Movie cast. They did it, uh, I don't know, a month, month ago, something like that. I don't remember. But, yeah, I remember hearing about it and going, well, I'm going to have to look the, hunt this down. And that's when I found it. Um, one of the, the few video stores we have left in Portland, one of their branches is closing. It's the one closest to me. And I just happened to walk by, and there is City of the Dead. And I look, and it's the um, DVD transfer that uh, Vince and the gang watched. And they said it's great. Um, and because it's on public domain, I'm sure I probably have it on a um, on, on somewhere on one of those Mill Creek bo- in one of those Mill Creek boxes. But it's like, okay, yank. And it went on the pile, and it's like, got to see it, got to see it. Hey, it's at the Lovecraft Fest. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Horror Hotel. I don't think the City of the Dead version, but Horror Hotel, the American version, is definitely public domain. Uh, Dr. Gang Green, friend of the show, Larry Underwood, he's covered it. He's hosted it a couple of times. Uh, the Midnight Mausoleum Girls, I'm a big fan of their work. They hosted it as well. In fact, the first time I saw it was one of them, uh, or one of their presentations, their DVD, showing it. Now, it looked good, and awesome on the big screen though and, and it's just that's that set everything is shot inside uh the fog the, the buildings it's not all an interior set what did you think of that oh the, i mean the set was amazing i mean it, all the fog all the fog oh my <laughs> god i knowing that fog's probably caustic chemicals of some type i'm sure the actors were real thrilled to be filming those but oh it just worked so well because the fog just was it, oh, it looked beautiful. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Um, I think I think they went into it on the B-Movie cast as to how they um, made the fog. You know, two different machines, one going low level, one going up higher. But yeah. I, it just looked beautiful. And the sets worked real well because they kept them in the dark. Everything was shot pretty much at night. So, you know, they, they could kind of fudge things a little bit and have it look bigger than it probably was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the fog is so thick. I can't imagine going to that town, seeing that fog, and deciding it's a good idea to stay here. <laughs> no, the fog would be the first thing to say, I think I'm going to think about leaving tonight. <laughs> and then, of course, as the movie goes on and on, and um, you know, the, the someone discovers, I'm not going to spoil, but various <laughs> things that, uh, they, they, that she knows are not good, she sticks around? I mean, even if your car's not working, run. <laughs> just just get out of town. I can't remember if I said anything about this in the introduction, but did you get like a psycho vibe out of this? Kind of like in structure. You know, again, not to spoil too much, but... Yeah, you know, I, could, I, I, I can see that. I can see that because, yeah, yeah, it is kind of. It's, it's got the same basic structure, but... But you know, not quite the same. Yeah, it's it's still kind of the same first couple of you know. Yeah, 
It's hard to say without spoiling. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say it and spoil it. But yeah, I could see that being you know kind of a vibe there. I'm sure it wasn't. Oh no. Yeah, because no. they they both came out in 1960. Yeah, so three, three months after the other. Yeah. So, but still, yeah, there is that there is that sort of sense. Yeah. You know, you could you could see the parallels in how the scripts were structured. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee is just. <laughs> fantastic in anything and the man can i said this about cushing during the hammer presentation uh peter cushing christopher lee they can do no wrong but if i'm ever in a scenario where christopher lee recommends a hotel i am not going to take him up on it especially (laughs) not if it's in a if it's in a fog covered night shrouded (laughs) strange place in england no no i'm hey thanks i'm out of here yeah no no way no way Are you going to go back and watch the DVD even though you saw it on the big screen? Oh, I'm sure I'm going to revisit it at some point. I mean, I, I, I want to get through all those DVDs before I add more to the pile, but I'm sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> the curse of a movie geek, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got so many. You know, all your free time, you can go back and rewatch something. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, you're like, well, you know, I should go back. I should see, you know, I should, I should watch this brand new one. But, oh, wow, you know, I kind of want to watch Lon Chaney and the Wolfman again for yeah. the umpteen thousandth time. Or, or, you know, I feel like Creature. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Anytime's good for Creature, though. I mean, oh, yeah. every time is Creature time. Anytime is a good Creature time. But, yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, you, you say, I'm going to watch something brand new. I'm going to watch something different. And then you get to your pile and it's like, oh, wait, I haven't seen this in a while and I really enjoy it, so maybe I... Or, I've had a really bad day, I need to watch something that's going to make me laugh and smile. Uh, Time for Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Wow! I wasn't expecting that to come out of your mouth. Wow, okay. See, I'm in creature mode, I'm playing the music in my head, I'm thinking about Julie Adams, you're like, Maximum Overdrive! Awesome! Well, you know that's not true, but I I know. I mean, come on. That that when I said a bad day at work, and I mean I have to have a bad day at work. Bad day at work. That is the one movie that I just kind of go, oh yeah, this is really stupid. I love every minute of it. Creature is more calming to me. I just you know kind of oh look at the ballet, the underwater ballet. That's wonderful. But you know if I need something that's gonna really cheer me up, boom. So I'm outside of the wheelhouse. Sorry. No, no, just uh, yeah, a little, little, little uh, dissonance of thought there. For like, I'm thinking creature. Yeah, he likes creature, and then yeah. Hey, you gotta have varied tastes. That's true. Yeah. That's true. There's that's true. always a movie for the right. There's always the right movie for the right state of mind. That works. That works. So we're doing the Lovecraft thing. We're at the Lovecraft Film Festival, and we, we've seen a number of movies. I've done a lot of shorts. You, Sabri Animator. Um, over the years, you've been coming to the festival. Is there a Lovecraft story that you'd like to see adapted that hasn't been touched very often? <sighs> I would really like to see a proper adaptation of Dagon. I mean, not Dagon, but uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth. And the reason I said Dagon is I'm thinking of Stuart uh, Gordon's very good adaptation of Dagon, but it just... Or, or, uh, say the con fuzz <laughs> um, he did a really good adaptation of the shadow over Innsmouth called Dagon but it just there, there it just uh, it wasn't really the sh- the, yeah. the shadow over Innsmouth there was there was stuff added in which just kind of really didn't work with the story right. um, so I'd, I'd like to see that um, and to be fair I would I would like to see a an adaptation of the rats in the wall 
which is the first Lovecraft story I ever read, and it's what hooked me when I was in high school. And to see that done properly, even if it was like a short film, would be amazing. See, that's another reason why Chris and I get along, ladies and gentlemen. Not only do we both have mad love for Creature from the Black Lagoon, but <laughs> Rats in the Wall was also my very first Lovecraft story as well. And I remember the first time I read it, it was in a collection. Uh, I was sitting with my mom uh, for some reason or other. I was a little bit older. And uh, we turned off, turned down most of the lights. <laughs> I was sitting in the guest room bed, reading there in the near dark, and it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, it was for me too. And I, but the more I look at it, the or the more I think about that story, the more I like its structure. Because if you look at it, it's basically three parts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the ghost, the possible ghost story, and then you've got the archaeological detective story, and then it just goes totally left turn on you, and it's like, what? Really? I think it's a good intro story because it does for Lovecraft because it does have so many different elements. It's got the, whoa, the like you said, um, and then the detective stuff. You know, you can see Lovecraft's Edgar Allan Poe influence from that. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of Lovecraft in that. It's a great gateway or introduction, I think, or gateway. Yeah, it is, um, and also it moves really quick. I mean, it 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 does move quicker than some of Lovecraft's other tales. Like, I mean, Call of Cthulhu is a great tale, but it's a little slow building. Um, This one starts out slow, but steadily picks up steam as it goes along. Um, And I think think it works really well as an intro. It's good. I agree with what you said about Dagon, the film Dagon. I like the movie. I like the music a lot. Mm -hmm. But it is less Dagon and more Innsmouth. Uh, You're absolutely right there. Uh, As far as something I'd like to see... I think it'd be cool to see a Rats in the Walls. I think it'd be amazing. I like a lot of the more obscure Lovecraft stuff, though. Like, I was really excited to hear Jeffrey Combs read The Doom That Came to Sarnath. Oh, yeah. So I'd probably want to pick something, you know, something like that. Maybe it's one of the prose poems or something and just kind of flesh it out and see. The festival's good. I'd like to see the festival done. Oh, that would be good. Well, they did, didn't they do a short of that? Yeah. And that was a pretty good version of it. Yeah, but I want to see it like it's a Christmas film. <laughs> Okay then. <laughs> that that would work, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. He's speechless, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I got you on maximum overdrive. You got me on on the festival Christmas special. <laughs> that's perfect. If I was still into filmmaking, that's what I'd start working on for next year. That'd be awesome. You know, I'm always a big fan of, of seeing like some of the Lovecraft uh, circle, the people from the circle, uh, his correspondents, Howard Smith, whatever. So I'd like to see more Robert E. Howard represented because, well, I think everybody knows. Who knows me knows that I'm a huge Howard fan. I actually like Howard better than Lovecraft. <gasps> Don't tell anybody here. <laughs> I won't say a word. Your secret's safe. <laughs> but no, I, I, I like Howard's work too. Yeah, I'd like to see him in, you know... There, there's got to be a way to bring a little bit of, 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 of his work into this. Well, he wrote some weird fiction. I mean, there's a great poem called Dead Man's Hate that I love by Howard. And then The Black Stone is amazing. And I think there's a thing on the rooftop. I could be wrong on the titles. Listeners, be gentle. Uh, I don't remember, but didn't he do Pigeons from Hell? Oh, <laughs> Go. Of course. <laughs> yeah, what am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the thriller episode of that? No, I have not. Um, I've got um, Dark Horse publication of several years ago did a um, did a four or five part comic series based on it that was really good. 
Um, but yeah, the thriller episodes one that I have to see one of these days. It's very well done, and I like thriller because it's a full hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas things like Twilight Zone or Night Gallery, you know, they're a lot of times are shorter. So Pitches from Hell really gets a chance to kind of get off the ground and get going. So I do like that a lot. Huh. What else is there to say about the festival? I mean, you've got your panel tonight. What panel is it? Um, I'll be doing a panel tonight at 9.30. Um, Tainted Bloodlines. So Rats in the Wall is a perfect uh, intro story for that, if you've ever read it. Um, and, of course, Shadow of Aaron Smith and a few others of his. Um, really looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Right on. I'll probably see that. And then uh, a few other things I'm going to be running around. I hope to get some more interviews with people, so fingers crossed. Chris, thank you for spending time with MKR over the festival weekend. I appreciate it, man. I always enjoy spending time in MKR, so thank you for having me. I'm sitting across from an author who wrote one of my favorite books that I read this year. I'm talking about the Cthulhu book that you wrote, which is just fantastic. Sean Hode, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for being so uh, observant on how great the book is. Uh, yeah, Cthulhu Attacks, uh, book one, The Fear, mm-hmm. has been uh, – it's been very successful so far. And I think, as I do, there's two more books in the trilogy. Um, uh, duh, three, three books. Uh, I, I really think people are going to get even more into it. So I appreciate that. I'm really digging it. When you first mentioned it to me, you said it's got a, a 50s monster movie kind of vibe. And I definitely got that. I, I really enjoyed it. Are there 50s monster movies that you kind of looked at as inspiration maybe for this? Sure. Well, um, I like things like uh, – <laughs> I like 50s monster movies. Now, the, the book isn't campy, as you know. No, absolutely read not. Absolutely not. But what I love are the things where it's like, oh, okay, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a monster rising out of the sea or that mm-hmm. just fell on Earth, an alien or something. What's the president going to do? What's what? Uh, let's send out the army. Cue the stock footage of them shooting, <laughs> you know, sh- tanks shooting, you know, uh-huh. and um, Godzilla. Uh-huh. Uh, was I mean that's kind of the 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 basis, you know, for a lot of those. But I like the ones. I like the ones where basically you have an alien attack or or, or a monster, and it's like the U.S. is in charge. It's always you know what does the president do? We have a president of the world, <laughs> so I deal with that in the in the yes, book. Mm-hmm. But then I immediately. You know, I mention it and then I ignore it because uh, I thought it would be funnier that way. <laughs> Even though it's not a com- the book, isn't a comedy? Absolutely not. No. But it, but I try to I tried to have a good amount of humor within the characters while respecting the mythos totally. No, it's not a comedy at all. So, listeners, please don't think it's this campy kind of thing. It, it is campy, it is fun, and there is some comedy and humor in it. But it it's but just character based. Yeah, it's character based. It's, it's a monster movie in a book, and I, I loved the hell out of it, man. Well, thanks. And I um, took from Call of Cthulhu. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I took I didn't not content. I, I took a lesson from the Call right. of Cthulhu, which is basically you human are not go- you are not going to kill Cthulhu. You're not gonna you're not gonna get into fisticuffs or shoot lasers at him or blow him up or anything. He it's just not how he works, right. you know. Uh, Four dimensional creature at least maybe five. Who knows? Yeah. But um. So in my book, people have to – just his a very – as you know, just his, his very existence in our dimensional plane is enough to kill hundreds of millions of people. So how, so how do you fight – can you fight something like that? Book two is uh, going to be called uh, – I mean it's Cthulhu Attacks, but book two is The Faith, which is about the various oh. Cthulhu cults vying for supremacy to earn Cthulhu's love. I, I don't know how you would <laughs> – I don't know how you would say that. And then book three is subtitled uh, The Fight. And that's when humans finally get together, surviving humans, uh, to try to do something about this. uh, Because as soon as Cthulhu 
recognizes, as you know, because it's the end of the book. Right. As soon, and this isn't this isn't even a spoiler. No. Because it's freaking Cthulhu. Right. <laughs> uh, as soon as he realizes that there are humans, he unleashes the Shoggoths. I mean, just. And, and you barely get any of that in this yeah. book, but it's going to be very important in, in the upcoming books. That was – I was going to take you to Taos and say you left me on a cliffhanger, man. At the yeah. end of book one, I'm like, ah, oh, where is book two? When is book two coming? I've got to have it. Okay. Well, first of all, your pain is my pleasure. When, <laughs> when, it, comes to, sure. when it comes to I want to read the next book. The second book should be out in January. Oh, okay. And then the third one will be out either at the, the end of March, more likely the very beginning of April. Um, and between then, uh, my publisher, uh, Severed Press, who I adore, mm-hmm. um, thank you, Severed Press, <laughs> um, they have me working on, I mean, I, I pitched it to them, but it's, it's, it's Tesla and Darwin versus, this is the title, Tesla and Darwin versus the ravenous Megalodon through the judicious use of time travel and giant robots. And, uh... I think for the official Amazon page, it's just going to be Tesla and Darwin versus Megalodon. But that's going to be the title that's on the book, the, the, the whole schmear. And uh, it's just going to be basically balls to the wall, everything nerds love, and, and some things maybe they didn't even know they loved. <laughs> I saw the uh, mock covers oh, yes. on Facebook. And they're fantastic. And, and you mentioned you know, the things that nerds love. What I loved about the Cthulhu book is that I say that as a nerd. Yeah. Oh no. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, okay. We're all. Yeah. No. In the Cthulhu book, you address that. I mean, some of the characters are well, people that are here at the festival right now. Yes. I mean, Robert Price shows up. Yoshi shows up. So the world is aware of Lovecraft, which I found refreshing because you can do that and you can play it so silly if you want to go that yeah. way. But you played it straight, and I really dug that. Oh well, thanks. Uh, that was my mission. Yeah. My mission. Um, I didn't even think of it in these words, but a re- one reviewer. Said Said this is like World War Z for Lovecraftian yes. stuff, and World War Z is one of my favorite books in the universe, mm-hmm. uh, second only to my own. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> no, but uh, it uh, <laughs> it is uh, the way it's treated in the zombie thing there, in in World War Z is is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly consistent, perfectly. You can't really say realistic, right? But you can say plausible, mm-hmm. and it all it's consistent, and that's what you look for in good. Well, any kind of writing, really. Sure. But, but horror writing, you got to know the rules and you got to stick by the rules. And if you change them midway, your reader isn't going to respect it because you, you would be undeserving of that. But, yeah, um, I, uh, I treat it very seriously. The humor that I have in it, as I mentioned, is uh, humor of the characters. It's organic. It comes down. It's organic. Right. Thank you. And because and humans are, are a strange lot and very entertaining. And Cthulhu is strange. Entertaining to read about. It wouldn't be as entertaining to encounter. No. Really. But my thing is, when you go to see uh, Superman, a Superman movie, well, it's just like our world, right? Except there's no Superman comic or anything like that. Uh, and I always, I always enjoy that because it's like they have no, you know, I'm Batman, I'm the Dark Knight. Well, yeah, we've been reading about you since 1938, you know. Right. But uh, in mine, everybody knows the, the Lovecraft thing and Cthulhu and the plush toys mm-hmm. I mentioned, you know, and st- things like that. And then here's this thing rising in the ocean that, um, as you know, a young uh, sergeant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a young sergeant in, who, who just runs the AV thing in the White House Situation Room uh, blurts out, it's Cthulhu. <laughs> and then, you know, everything goes to hell from there. And it's like, but it's a nerdy, a nerdy guy who loves to read. I mean, if you look at young people in the armed forces, they're exactly the same as young people everywhere. <laughs> they love fantasy uh, mm-hmm. sci-fi horror literature because it, it transports you and uh, 
And so this is one of those guys. And then we have the president uh, really starting to rely on him because he's her nerd. <laughs> he, it's a new cabinet position. Yes. You know, secretary of the nerdity. <laughs> when that moment happened in the book, when it's like, it's Cthulhu. I'll admit, I was reading it on my Kindle because at the time I just had the ebook. I was yeah, like, yeah. yes. Yes. You know, and that was just because that, that that's what I would have done. That's what you would have done. That's what we all would have done. Right. You know, it was beautiful. But when you're sitting there looking at in the president. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have these these marine uh, marines. Usually, it's marines for some reason running the AV stuff and doing. No, I'm serious. It is yeah. uh, running the AV stuff and all that. I'm like, so he's just a regular guy like you or me. You know, mm-hmm. if you, we can call ourselves regular, but well, we are at the Lovecraft Film Festival. <laughs> yes, okay. But he's the kind of guy that would take his leave and come to this. You know, and he's like, what? And, and so he blurts it out in front of the president. You know the vice, uh, the uh, secretary of the army and the navy and all that stuff, and he just—it is a genie. Once it's out, the second it's out, you can't put it back in the bottle because you—it's like it's like a gestalt thing where it's either the rabbit or the duck, <laughs> and it's like it becomes a rabbit. Right. Only the rabbit is Cthulhu. Did that make sense? The rabbit is okay. Okay, sure, all right, cool. Sure. Yeah, definitely. So the new book's coming out in January. The next book's coming out in January. Yes. Oh, dude. The Tesla oh. book should be out, uh, I think, in the beginning of December or end of November. Okay. Um, it depends on how he decide, how my publisher decides to in what order to bring them out. Mm-hmm. But, yes, the second one is going to be – I'm very excited about the second one because Dr. Robert Price, uh-huh. who is a theologian, as you know, PhD mm-hmm. theologian and an awesome guy and, and one of the biggest experts on Lovecraft in the universe other than Joshi. Um, well, maybe not other than – along with Joshi, yeah, I should yeah. say. Uh he has agreed to write a blurb for the second one. When I'm done, I'm going to send him the manuscript, and he's going to write a blurb, which I hope isn't going to be like, avoid this book at all costs. you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I really think that he'll appreciate, and readers like you and, and right. readers in general, are going to appreciate the, the tack that I take, which isn't continuing. It's continuing chronologically from the first book, but the, the, the focus is a little different because at the end of the first book, you have basically three sets of people who mm-hmm. think they're prophets, and that is not a that is not a stable situation. And so you've got Shoggoths, you've got these 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 rampaging prophets of Cthulhu, <laughs> and and uh, it's all going to come. It, it's uh, it's even though it's a middle chapter, I like to think of it like an Empire Strikes Back chapter where there's so much new that's uh-huh. going to be in there, but that that echoes with the stuff that's already there. And I, I think it's going to be great, and I think readers going to like it. I'm looking forward to it, man. And uh, can I say my website? Of course. Oh, it's uh, seanhode.com, S-E-A-N-H-O-A-D-E.com. And uh, I have samples of all my books. Um, I'm pretty much in the horror genre now, or the fantastic genre, I guess, with the Tesla book. But I've written thrillers and literary novels and, mm-hmm. you know, things like this. And uh, so it's a real treat when people go there. They get to read a good, good excerpts mm-hmm. from the stuff. So we have a game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio. I mean, we love classic monster movies. Sure. So we have a game that we call the Classic Five. I've got a deck of questions here, and I'm just I'm just going to pull the first five off the I top. Am excited. This is like a you know yes or no quick fire answer kind this of thing. This is my favorite so. feature on your show, by the way. Oh yeah, awesome. All right, here we go. First card. Oh wow, what classic monster movie icon would you want to see a biopic about? Oh, um, I definitely think it's Van Helsing. Oh, uh, well, he wasn't he wasn't a monster though. Well, does that count? Because not that stupid that stupid Hugh Jackson or Hugh whatever his name is Jackman movie, but one really about Van Helsing because you don't just get into researching monsters just out of curiosity. What happened with him? Why does yeah. he know what? And I'm thinking specifically of the Peter Cushing one. Uh-huh. Um, the other ones, you know, they're just kind of occultists or whatever. But but Peter Cushing, I want to know what happened. What you know? What made you into this? brilliant monster fighter basically yeah. and um 
in Dead Town Abbey, an earlier book of mine. Yeah. Which, did you read that? I don't know if I have. I know what it is. It's All right. Well, yeah. you shall have it soon, my friend. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, I, I have Van Helsing in that. Oh, okay. And he, and you definitely, uh, you definitely see some, but, it, but it's not about him. He's right. just, he kind of makes a cameo. But you see that uh, there are some scars there. Very cool. All right. I like yeah, it. Yeah, so Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Oh, what two 1950s monster movies would make a great double feature? Oh, boy. Okay. The Zombies of Moratau, which is from 1957, uh-huh. and is actually, I'm a zombie uh-huh. you know, expert, and I was the first professor to teach a four-credit yeah. zombie class. Um, anyway, uh, Zombies of Moratau, where zombieism is infectious by uh, radiation. Mm-hmm. And then I would mix that, hmm, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be Robot Monster. <laughs> It's got to be Robot Monster on a global scale. That's what I would do. That's the mashup I would do. <laughs> nice. And the budget's only it has to be like $15. Well, this is true. Yeah. This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right. What classic monster movie that you've only seen on TV, VHS, or DVD do you want to see on the big screen? Ah, yes. I would like to see uh, The Horror of Dracula. The first Cushing Lee, the colors, the, the music. Uh, if I could see that on the big screen, I would be I I would die a happy fellow. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. Oh, it's it looks beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. I joke a lot of times on the show that if I had a time machine, I'd be going back in time to see these movies during their premiere. Screw <laughs> yes. this kill Hitler thing or whatever. I don't nah, care. I yeah. want to see these movies. Hitler Hitler is bad. We all know that. Here's what I'll do. I'll go back in time, kill Hitler, go a little bit forward in time, and <laughs> and you get free tickets to the monster movie if you if you kill a dictator. I'm down with that. See, I mean, if you can't tell, I'm kind of in love with the Hammer oh, yeah. movies. Especially the early ones, they're so uh, rich, yeah. and and the thing is, and they're so kinetic. You have uh, two things in uh, in um, Horror of Dracula. I love the whole thing, yeah. But two things especially is where Christopher Lee comes jumping over that table. Oh yes, and also at the end when Cushing runs down the is he running on the table? I think yeah, he's he running. Like jumps on, up runs, on the table, jumps yeah. up and grabs the the, the velvet curtains yes. and rips them down. And of course that. You know, kills Dracula. Spoiler: Dracula gets turned into dust. Uh, but um, those are—it's just the whole thing is brilliant. Yes, and I, I loved it. And my wife loved it. She likes. She, she's pretty open-minded with horror stuff, but she had her family didn't go really watch movies very much, and um, so we got to experience that together along with Wolfman. Uh, you know, the original, the original Dracula. I've already shown her White Zombie twenty-eight thousand times because I love that movie. It's great. Um, I think that was Lugosi's best performance personally i thought dracula was great but he was so weird in that movie mm-hmm. anyway but like that and then bride of frankenstein and uh and then all the universal ones led up to showing her young frankenstein <laughs> nice. and so when you've just seen it you get all the jokes you get all the references uh-huh. and it was it was brilliant nice that's awesome Thanks. that's awesome Ooh, it the terror from beyond space or it conquered the world it conquered the world yeah. And why is because the the first one is great. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I have and they're great in that certain way that these fifties horror movies are, are fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. You can watch it, you're not you know, you're not filled with dread or anything. <laughs> but it's like what do they do with these kind of shoestring ideas that they had, you know? Okay, we're gonna film this in eleven days, you know, and I just think it conquered the world is uh just it, it does it just a little bit better. Yeah. All right, so question five, the last one. Oh, The Amazing Colossal Man or War of the Colossal Beast? Oh, okay. I'm going to pick Amazing Colossal Man okay. because I have a reason for this. All right. I forget who the actor was in that. 
I don't remember. But he, whoever he was, which I don't remember, he made me want to cry for him. Oh. He was so sad, you know? Yeah. And he really, you could really feel his alienation even as he was trying to, you know, not be a monster, you know? And it just, he just, that actor just nailed it. I'll have to look it up on IMDb, you know? Yeah. Uh, he just nailed it. And I actually, that was... You know, 50s monster movies, they're fun. They're, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're intentionally funny. Sometimes they're just, you know, campy. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they're just, you know, good. Uh, but this one, that one, The Colossal Man, um, really made me feel. I mean, I really felt what he was going through, and I just thought it was brilliant. For a silly, you know, quote, quote, <laughs> silly monster movie or or weird movie or whatever he was he was completely uh you wanted him you, there was no way he could win but you wanted him to win it's kind of a throwback to the early 30s universal monster yes. movies because you know frankenstein's monster he didn't ask to be what he was no. but but you feel for him and it's nice to see that in a 50s monster movie because like you said a lot of the 50s monster movies are you know it's like da, 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 you know all in your face and Why you can't know yeah <laughs> well and the thing is as you as everybody in the universe knows frankenstein mary shelley uh-huh. that was a that well, both Victor Frankenstein and the creature were in incredible pain, incredible psychological and emotional pain. Uh, Frankenstein, of course, ran off at his at, at the creature's creation, mm-hmm. which doesn't give you a lot of self confidence, you know. And uh, <laughs> and it's that kind of okay. So then, when you had that in Frankenstein the movie, okay, it was great. But Mary Shelley had already thought of that. Colossal Man was entirely new, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, so it didn't get a kick from its source material because it didn't have source material. It was, okay, what if we had a giant guy? Right. What would it be like? And they chose, I think it's great, to make him entirely em- empathetic or mm-hmm. sympathetic? Empathetic? He was pathetic is my point. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah. And he had to wear a diaper, basically. Yeah. Made out of what? The tarp over lake, you know, some <laughs> lake or something. Awesome. That was fun. Uh, this is a fun. Uh, one of these days I'm going to package this up and sell it. You should. It's, it's, it's just great. It's uh, it's it's a great feature, and your show is great, and uh, and you just do an awesome job. I think that's a great place to end this. See, that's awesome. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> well, You're awesome. Cool. Cool. And, and every show, you'll say it if I don't say it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I have to say that uh, the the Lovecraft revival that's been going on for ten or twenty years. It's just getting stronger, yes. Because people are doing even more interesting things in the genre. And when I was when I did research on it, when I started, you know, this is not a verb. Concepting, I did that thing. It's impacting anyway. But when I was concepting uh, Cthulhu Attack's first book, I did some research. There has never been a full length novel about what would really happen plausibly you know what would really happen if cthulhu rose how would everybody deal with it mm-hmm. uh world governments normal people um cthulhu cultists like i said you know it's like and it's been a great uh kind of this is gonna sound corny but it's been kind of a great honor to be able to use lovecraft's work in a way that is totally respectful of it but i get to do my own thing and people are loving it that, I think, is the best way to put it. You are being respectful with the source material. You're not exploiting it. You're using it to tell one hell of a story. I can't wait for the next one. Thanks, man. And we'll make sure there's a link to your website in the show notes. Have a good rest of your festival, sir. The nights are darker. And night is when it happens in the Dunwich Horror.
came back. Old one. Princes of darkness. And repossess the earth. The Dunwich Horror. Based on H.P. Lovecraft's terrifying tale of those who explore the unspeakable. Starring Sandra D. Dean Stockwell. Academy Award winner Ed Begley. Sam Jaffe. The history of horrendipity written here. The love story of a girl looking to the future. And a boy dedicated to the mysteries of the past. He invokes the unspeakable. Yeah. Sata. She invites it. You're one of us now. Depthless paradise of terror, where fear eternal lives. And the dead come to life. I've never heard anything like that. I've got the recorder on. I'm sitting down here with one of the co-directors of the festival, the man. I've never had him on any of my podcasts before. I've had your lovely wife on, Brian Callahan. Thank you for an incredible festival. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. I've had a blast. This has been a great time. The 20th anniversary. What was your favorite part? My favorite part? Yes. Oh, well, shit. You know, I... Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm probably not supposed to... to yeah. The uh, Well, you know what? Um... I'm not a very effusive guy, really, when it comes to, like, celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I really got a kick out of having Jeffrey Combs here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so cool. I mean, he was my introduction to Lovecraftian cinema. Oh, okay. uh, well, I mean, he didn't personally introduce me to it, but <laughs> but by way of uh, his characters Herbert West and uh, Crawford Tillingist mm-hmm. and uh, From Beyond and, and Reanimator, not respectively, uh, that was my sort of childhood induction. And they were both via a horrible bootleg tape that a, fr- a friend of mine made for me. Uh, he, uh, he knew I was a Lovecraft fan. I'd been reading him. Uh, I'd been running a Call of Cthulhu game. And uh, he said, well, if you like Lovecraft, you should. Um, um, have you seen? You've seen there's movies, right? I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. And, uh, you know, I'm like 14 years old, right? I'm 14 years old and this guy... Um, who used to wear like a, a rabbit skin out of the, the knees of holy <laughs> knees of his jeans? He was a real punk. He actually ended up being a, a Navy nuke. Uh, those of you here in the Navy know what I'm talking about. But he, um, so he basically said, "Here, here's this videotape," and it had like the last, you know, 20 minutes of some other stupid movie on it that they like recorded off of HBO, and then it had uh, Reanimator on it, and it, but it started. So I, I have. I, it took me a while to see the beginning. It started with um, the uh, the first uh, le, uh, laser lobotomy scene in, in Reanimator, okay. and so that's wow. for a long time. That was <laughs> it was from there until the end of the movie that I had seen. And uh, oh my god, you just you can't take that stuff out of your head once you've seen it. You know the uh, 
the head the head head scene yes you know and uh um jeffrey combs amazing comedic timing like him and him and uh bruce abbott as dan kane and uh i hate to wax so poetic about reanimator because there's so much great stuff that happens at the festival but for me it was really thrilling to have him here and the whole time i could barely bring myself to shake his hand i was so stoic i think he thought i didn't like him at all and uh but that's just uh, that's how i deal with uh that's how I do fandom. I, I can't gush. I, I become a statue, you know. Uh, but yeah, there's so much great stuff. But you know, also the one of the biggest things for us is the uh, the short films. And this year we had six shorts blocks. Uh, we showed over 50 short films. Um, and we've never shown. I mean, I think the record before was 36. Um, and we just piled it on this year. This is the 20th anniversary. Every year we hear. We, we love the shorts. We love the shorts. That's what we want to see. We don't care about commercial features. We don't care about stuff we can see on Netflix. We want to see the short films. We want to see the films made by students, uh, by amateur and independent filmmakers. And so this year we really tried to bring the boom with uh, short films. And so uh, 50 of them, and they were, all, they were all great in one way or another. And uh, most of the feedback we had was that uh, they were awesome. I had a, definitely had a good time. That's what I come for this. That's what I come to this thing for is the shorts. Uh, you mentioned Netflix. When I first started coming to the festival back in 2002 or whatever, I would do what I call the Netflix test. Yeah. I'd go through the schedule, and if I can get on Netflix, I'll skip it because yeah. you know who knows when I'll be able to see these shorts. So I appreciate the hard work in, in curate, curating this whole uh, short experience. This was fun for me. I also appreciate the panels and the presenta- the ability to do a presentation. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. It's the first time I've done that, so thank you for that. I want to ask you about the statue in the lobby. Now, I'm going to put a picture of it on my Facebook page yeah. and on my website. Wilbur Watley, how did you get Wilbur to show up? Uh, that was a, a just a confluence of events. We um, Somebody had posted it in the Lovecraft Historical Society uh, which is, you know, they're good friends of ours. They're not related to us, but they're they're part of our family. And um, in their uh, group, their discussion group on Facebook, a guy, he, he had posted. And we also run a, uh, a uh, local uh, Lovecraftian group uh, on Facebook that's only open to folks in the Northwest called Northwest Lovecraftians. And, he, and the artist, has, I think his name is Chris Wallace, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's W-A-L-A-S. And uh, hopefully I'm getting that right. Um, he does paper mache art, but he's also worked in the movie industry, and uh, he's the real deal. But he's local, and uh, we don't we didn't really know him, but he we have friends in common, which is usually how this works. And uh, a friend of ours on the historical society page said, "Hey, I think this guy is in Portland. Maybe he would be interested in bringing the thing by the festival." And uh, yeah, sure enough, he was. We weren't sure it was going to work because uh, we didn't think he'd get in through the doors. I mean, you guys can't see how big this is. And uh, hopefully the picture you post has mm-hmm. somebody next to it, but it's got to be eight and a half feet tall, yeah. at least, right? And it's uh, wonderful. You've never seen a, a Wilbur Waitley like this. It's, uh, it's how, I mean, it's definitely no Dean Stockwell. <laughs> I mean, Dean Stockwell was a charming motherfucker, but uh, um, this thing will, 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 is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, the picture that I'm going to be putting up is next to me, and it towers over me, and I'm 6'4". Wow. So it's it's huge. It's awesome. It's intimidating. First thing you see when you walk in, 
It was awesome. So I have a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio. You, you like the classic monster movies, course, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have a game called the Classic Five. I've got a deck of cards here. Okay. Uh, we're going to do five rapid fire, yes or no, this or that type questions. Okay. Okay? Yeah, all right. All right, so first card, first question. Bert I. Gordon or Roger Corman? Roger Corman. Favorite horror host? Elvira. That's who I grew up with. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up in San Diego, so uh, K- KTLA 5. There you go. go. Oh, I was a teenage werewolf or I was a teenage Frankenstein? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I was a teenage werewolf. Yeah. Michael Landon, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Favorite Big Bug monster movie? Favorite Big Bug monster movie? Big Bug. Giant Bugs. Okay. Um... I know, this is supposed to be rapid fire, huh? All right, all right. Uh, big bug, big bug. Uh, oh, you know, I'll go with them. Yeah. It's one of the best. Yeah. And definitely one of the most memorable, you know, as big bugs go. And I'm, I'm going to think of one later. I'm going to be like, ah, why didn't I, you know? No, them's good, especially with the sound, so. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question. What classic monster movie needs a prequel? What classic monster movie needs a prequel? Yeah. Oh, geez, you know, I'm fiend without a face. Uh, I don't know, you know, uh, boy, you know, I, I'm going to talk this through if that's okay. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon would be great, you know. Uh, sort of, uh, I'm not sure what we would do, find out more about, I mean, what would you do with a prequel? You would go back and tell... Another story about adventurers who came to the area, but they're, you know, they, they got, I don't know, you know, uh, King Kong, certainly, um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there you can do with the tribal leaders. And um, if you wanted to go and do a real cultural take on it from the perspective of the islanders, that would be really neat. Um, classic monster movies. Oh, geez, you know, uh, uh, of course, you know, because I'm on the spot, I'm drawing a blank. But that's the whole point of the game, right? Yes. yes. Whole point. Um, you know, I would, uh, I would definitely pay to see a sequel or a prequel to uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's one, sure. one of the best films anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Brian, the festival's been awesome. I'm assuming you've already started working on year 21, right? Uh, we've started talking about it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And we're actually... Uh, some of the ideas and stuff we came up with this year, we uh, because we also sell T-shirts and stuff as uh, psychographics, and we have our Arkham Bazaar Lovecraftian boutique thing. Um, we travel to a lot of conventions as vendors, and one of the ways that we come up with uh, the ideas for doing different, uh, having different angles for what sort of guests to have or what to do in our Kickstarter is um, when we're driving. When we're driving cross country, we drive from. Now, Portland to Gen Con, which is in Indianapolis. We drive out to uh, Rhode Island for Necronomicon uh, on the East Coast, and that's a, that's a big-ass drive. You know, because we have to take stuff in the van to get all of our gear and everything, so it's not really practical to fly. Um, but that's where it's this, like, bored-ass, like, talking in the van. I'll be driving, and Gwen will be, like, sort of nodding off and go, Oh, oh, wait, what if, we, what if we did this? I think it's the 30th anniversary of Reanimator. Or what if our Kickstarter... Um, um, theme was the the secret trip to Rillier by the Miskatonic University Explorers Club and that's exactly where that came from came up with the whole idea of having like cultists versus explorers and 
Uh, we had a, a weird little game we played here in the lobbies to facilitate that. And uh, that all came from this, you know, 38-hour drive or whatever it is. And so, but this time, you know, we, we can't wait that long. We had, a, we had an eight because we changed dates from the spring back to the traditional dates of the first weekend of October every year for the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. We, uh, we had a big 18-month gap. So we had a lot of convention driving to do. So we, we, we think we came up with some good stuff. But this next time, we really need to be planning it before we head out to Gen Con <laughs> next year, which is in August. Um, so uh, this time around, we're actually talking about doing something that only the classiest white-collar guys do, which is where I think we're going to take a, an executive retreat. Uh, but we're going to do an executive retreat, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival style. So I think we're going to go to uh, Astoria. Somebody gave him this idea last night at the after party. I'm going to go to Astoria, which we lovingly refer to as Innsmouth West, okay. uh, which is a, a coastal Oregon town. And the fog rolls in at night and stays in the morning. And it's, it's fishermen. It's where the Goonies was filmed, yep. um, as well as another great uh, Lovecraft film called Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we're going to head out there, uh, try to stay in a and b I mean, anything we do like this has to be on the cheap because we is uh, we is not made of money doing this. But uh, that's uh, so I think that's the plan this time. We're going to go out there. We're going to give ourselves nothing to do for four or five days. We're going to sit around, look at the fog, and see what happens. I've been to Astoria recently within the past year or so, and the jailhouse for the Goonies is the film museum uh, in Astoria. And I love that there's Goonies props in there, but there's also props from Cthulhu in the same building. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I hear there's a Fiji mermaid there somewhere, too. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm, we're looking forward to that. We haven't really planned it out, but that's, that's the current plan. And that was just somebody last night said, oh, you know what you should do? And uh, we think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Well, again, I want to thank you on my show publicly. I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, I'm shaking his hand right now. Thank you. This was an incredible festival. Thank you, Derek. We appreciate your involvement. And uh, anything you want to do next time around, let's, let's talk. Definitely. I already got plans. Oh, and I think... Uh, I guess I should tell you the dates. I, if hopefully I don't get them wrong, the yeah, sure. uh, uh, the twenty first annual H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con because it's two shows in one. It's films in a theater, and then we have a separate facility for panels, readings, and and vending and all that. Uh, the next one is two thousand sixteen. That's October seventh to the ninth. Still in October when the stars are right. Yes. Yeah, we have made the permanent switch. We had to move our lives around a little bit, but. Uh, that was our number one request was it's just too hot we, we want to be outside drinking beers in april we don't want to be sitting inside watching movies as much as we love you please please move it back to october uh and that, those are the historic dates so that's that's what we've done again thanks brian thank you After we stopped recording, Brian told me about one of the movies they're considering bringing in for next year's festival. The man never sleeps. He never stops thinking about the Lovecraft Film Festival. He's already got something that he's thinking about bringing in if they can find a decent print and some things work out. I'm excited. It's something that I've never seen on the big screen, but it's a pretty cool movie. It's not straight up Lovecraft, but it's definitely cosmic horror. The Lovecraft Film Festival, it's a staple here in Portland, Oregon. I am already looking forward to next year. I've got some things in mind, different presentations I'm going to pitch, that sort of thing. Speaking of presentations, well, guess what I did, or guess what I did not do? I forgot to record the Lovecraft Gets Hammered presentation, and it's a shame, because I thought it went really, really well. 
<laughs> You'll have to track down people who were in the classroom. It was a full classroom, so track down some people who actually attended the presentation and ask them what they thought of the half hour that we spent talking about movies like Quatermass Experiment, Quatermass 2, The Devil Rides Out, The Abominable Snowman. It was just a fun time. It is something that I think I might do again in the future in a different format, so stay tuned. But uh, in the meantime, trust me, it was a lot of fun. And for those of you who did attend that presentation, thank you for making that part of the Lovecraft Film Festival just extra special for me. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Richard Carlson. If I look somewhat older and more drawn than I have in my recent pictures, it's because of the harrowing experiences I've been having here in The Maze. The Maze is the first picture in three dimension that delves into the weird and terrifying world of the supernatural. If you're familiar with the exciting effects that can be achieved with 3D, you can imagine what happens when something from the great beyond reaches right out of the screen to clutch at you. Oh, and one more thing. After you've seen the maze, please don't reveal to your friends the secret of its story or its startling climax. Because, you see, we think the maze will amaze you. secret was hidden from the world for 200 years. Why was every door in Craven Castle locked at night? I went to your room and I saw something. Something horrible. It was the most horrible thing I've ever seen. It was your imagination. It was something alive. I saw it move. The terrifying story that startled the world comes to the screen in three dimensions. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. If you want to find out anything about MKR between episodes, the best place to do that is our website, monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. We've got links to everything we've got going on. You can subscribe to the Monster Rally Checkpoint e-newsletter and get yourself some exclusive content once a month from me. We're talking about an original column called The Creature Connection, movie reviews, horror movie trivia, that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. We have links to our Facebook group where you can join the group and get involved with conversations with other Monster Kid Radio listeners between episodes or even while you listen to this one. We have links to every song that's appeared here on the show. Every band that's given us the okay to play their music, and that's every single one of them that we've played, you can find them by going to the songs button on our website. Of course, we have a link to Shelby Denham's website. Shelby is the incredible artist who's done these monster portraits that we use in our new website design. And we have a link to our Patreon page. Now, our Patreon page is where you can help support Monster Kid Radio financially, help support the show that way. And 
depending on what level you support the show at, you might get your Monster Rally checkpoint a few weeks earlier than everybody else, or you'll get mentioned in this special executive producer thank you roll call. Special thanks to all the patrons who have supported Monster Kid Radio at the AIP level or higher. I'm talking about Mike Tutino, Justin Giallo, Mitch Gonzalez, Tom and Eileen, Andy Campbell, Tracy and Scott Morris, Joseph Perry, Frank Schildener, Stephen Turner, and Dorado Films. Thank you so much for helping support Monster Kid Radio. Thank you to everybody who supports MKR. Thank you for everybody who's given us reviews in the iTunes store, retweeted the tweets, shared the Facebook posts, and just talked about Monster Kid Radio out there on the internet. If you want to get a hold of Monster Kid Radio and leave some feedback, you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail like Steve did at the top of the show by calling us at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. The other thing you're going to find on our website, a couple of pictures of me standing next to that incredible Wilbur Waitley sculpture from the Lovecraft Film Festival. Because I'm standing there and I'm 6'4", you're going to get plenty of scale. It looked awesome. The Dunwich Horror is one of my favorite Lovecraft stories. To see that in the lobby, stunning. And I double-checked. Brian was right. Chris Wallace, and that's W-A-L-A-S, is the man who designed that sculpture. That statue was amazing. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Come back next week. This time I mean it. The Inner Sanctum Mysteries with author Paul McComas. That's coming in seven days here on Monster Kid Radio. Between now and then, they'll remember the Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Windigo Girls. That belongs to the band The Necronomic Kids. It's on their album, Necronomic Kids. You can find them at necronomickids.bandcamp.com or look them up on Facebook. However you look them up, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody next week. <laughs>